0: Hey guys, you've got Caitlin and Ella here, and we are just for warning this week's episode is a little bit more sensitive. We're talking with Dr. Jack Zamaris on body dysmorphia, anxiety, and depression. Um, so, if you yourself suffer from this or you know someone who is suffering from this, head over to our Instagram. We've left some links where you can seek help. Hello and welcome to Cosmetics. I'm Ella James and I'm Caitlin Gregg and we're bringing to you conversations about cosmetic enhancement. So how have you been finding everything?
1: Yeah look great question. Um, It's you know almost like there's just so much going on it's very hard to actually articulate what's (laughs) going on. That's the crazy thing about it but there was obviously a shock at first what the hell is going on? And in almost like, oh my God, am I going to get sick? It's almost like there's a lot of fear in, in society about what's happening. Um, and then it's kind of, okay, we've adapted to this kind of new normal now with all these restrictions and you're kind of just adapting to where you're at. And then you look back on it and you think, how did I ever just go to the supermarket without hand sanitizer?
0: And how, sorry, just quickly, how has your clinic been adapting?
1: Yeah. So from a surge, from a clinic point of view, um, so all elective surgery has been suspended Australia wide. So it's not just plastic surgery, it's orthopaedic surgery, um, even if you need cataracts done, for example, um, any type of operation, like hernia repair has been suspended. So we're not doing any operating just to – and the premise behind that is just to um, have enough um, personal protective equipment just in case we get run over – um, which hopefully won't happen and doesn't look like it's going to happen. And so we've been suspended from that point of view. Obviously, there's patients that we had already operated on that we need to see face-to-face, which we've been doing still up until last week. And I think I've think i got one more patient to see face-to-face this week who's had surgery. Um, our clinic remains open, normal business hours, but face-to-face is, is no longer. So we're all video consultation. So I still go to the clinic and do my video consultation, um, but otherwise we're just kind of virtual right now and we're not booking any surgery Um, because we haven't got a date yet.
0: So we had, well, I had the pleasure of seeing Dr. Jack Samaris or Dr. (laughs) Jay-Z on Instagram.
1: The original Jay-Z, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm older than the Jay-Z actually. Oh,
0: wow. So he got it from you. (laughs) Breaking news. Um, At Cosmeticon, which was the conference um, that we attended a couple of months ago. And... I went into the morning session and I was was working away on the booth and Ella was running around listening to all the talks. I got to sneak out. (laughs) And Dr. Jay-Z, Jay-Z will keep that up, um, during this specific presentation talked about being aware of patients that could be suffering from body dysmorphia anxiety or depression and knowing the importance of why somebody is getting work done. So we really, well, I really enjoyed listening to this speech. I heard all about it <laughs> <laughs> and I knew our listeners had to hear all about it. So I'm really excited that we have got Dr. Jay-Z in the studio with us, 1.5 metres apart. That's right. And so- Yen yeah, as well,
2: we thought it would be a great opportunity to bring you on and talk about this. It's something that's really important to us. And hits our, like our hearts and is close to us as well because something like um, body image issues, we've all had a little bit of experience with it in our lives, whether it be ourselves or with friends or family. Yeah. On a more minor scale, but yeah. still yeah. In so a it's, similar realm. It's a topic we really wanted to bring on early in the season and Excellent. have a really open and honest chat about it. Yeah. So thank you
0: for joining us. No, no
1: My pleasure and thank you for having me.
0: So Dr. Zamara's can you give our listeners a little background on you and your specialties.
1: Yeah, okay. So I'm a plastic surgeon. Um, my clinic's Artiste Plastic Surgery in Darling Point, Sydney. Um, I grew up originally in Adelaide, um, so an Adelaide boy. I did my medical school training there. I then did my surgical training in Sydney and then wanted to be a surgeon um, since since I started medical school. I wanted to help people. Um, and plastic surgery, um, when I did an elective in plastic surgery as a medical student. I was actually fortunate enough to go to New York and, wow. and I saw how plastic surgeons were helping people restore form. So um, not necessarily life-threatening things, but things like patients born with um, birth defects like cleft lip, cleft palate, those patients that had trauma, those patients that had um, burns or cancer, and you'd actually restore what they once had. Um, like for example, like doing a breast operation, on someone that's had breast cancer is so a reconstructive surgery. Um, and then of course doing aesthetic surgery or plastic or cosmetic surgery, um, which is giving someone you know a larger breast, for example, um, which is the aesthetic side. So just helping people with their confidence. So that's what inspired me to be a plastic surgeon. Um, but I've come from a working class background. So that's why I'm very you know, personal to people and and, um, and the important thing with plastic surgery is it's a personal choice and, mm. and I think the um, psychological side is, is very important to know as a, as a surgeon and also for your own patient's sake as well.
2: Yeah, and could you give us a bit of a, a um, definition of body dysmorphic disorder
1: yeah so the the, the de- definition of body dysmorphia it, it's quite complicated believe it or not um like if you actually look at the um and, and in medicine things are a lot of, are very complex it's actually like a one-page diagnostic um mm-hmm. criteria for it but basically body dysmorphia in a nutshell is where you obsess about a body part or a body feature whereas whereas the normal person and this is where it gets tricky because there's no one that's really normal is what is normal whereas Mm -hmm. maybe a sample of people wouldn't think that that's a big problem like we're not talking about someone that's maybe got you know really out of proportion big nose or very prominent ears um, most people would agree with that scenario Mm -hmm. it'd be more someone that's maybe not happy with their nose but the majority of people think no there's nothing wrong with your nose and, and it actually affects their life. This is the key. It affects their life. Because, I mean, when I got up in the morning, I had to make sure my hair was looking okay. No hair. You know <laughs> what I mean? great. Because everyone, <laughs> everyone obsesses about the way they look. I mean, since Cleopatra, she bathed in milk for her skin. And yeah. this was BC. So people have always been concerned with their appearance. But it's, does this concern get to a point where it causes you anxiety or depression or doesn't let you get out of bed or you're obsessed about it to the point where it's interfering with your social, psychological, and even your intimacy with your partner, um, and that's where it becomes an actual disorder where it's actually affecting what you're doing. And, and, and like I said, where you tell maybe the majority of a of room of lay people versus medical people, where, whereas what they're talking about, they might be talking about a millimetre on their eyebrow or that's not that bad, or, or maybe they have got a nose that's out of proportion, you fix the nose, but then they obsess about the eyebrow. Mm. Um, so that, that's where it kind of falls in.
0: And what characteristics, like when, if you were talking to a patient, what are the telltale signs where you sort of start to think, oh, maybe it's yep. um, something more than just a bit of an insecurity?
1: Yeah, and that's a great question as well. And it comes down to with what I was talking at Cosmeticon. It's about, you know, really being present with the patient during the consultation and actually asking the important questions of why they want surgery or why they want a transformation to really get an idea of whether what they're asking is reasonable or, or whether it's not. And a lot of the time is it's, it's difficult as, as a surgeon as well because you can miss it sometimes. I and mean, mm-hmm. that's why it's important to have a long consultation and all of my consultations take up to an hour and we always do a follow-up consultation before surgery, especially on the face. Um, so what, what happens is is often they've got an unrealistic expectation as well of yeah. what they want to achieve. Um, so one of the telltale signs for me in one patient i remember vividly is, is they all seem completely reasonable. They're actually a lawyer um and um and then we had the consultation two consultations and then when we're talking more about it they saw a a little advert i used before makeup in my office and it was an advert of a photoshop model like a vogue model on the front cover and they're like oh i'm going to look like that aren't i at the end of the operation and i'm like (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, we need to just talk about this a little bit more. Um, so that can be an obvious telltale sign um, yeah. where they've really, it's just an unrealistic expectation, but all the time it's just talking to them. Like they may have seen f- um, another plastic surgeon um, or they may have seen another three plastic surgeons or they may have had 15 plastic surgery operations or, or, already. So that's, that's also part of the um, background check that I do.
2: And then what would you do in a situation where there are these red flags? Yeah. How do you um, deal with the patient?
1: Look, it's important to not just say straight away, you know, we're not doing a surgery, you've got body dysmorphia, you've got psychological <laughs> yeah. issues. That's very rude and like yeah. and Especially as, if
2: they've already got Exactly
1: because you yeah. can push them not over the edge, but like a lot of these people are vulnerable or they might not have body dysmorphia, they might have depression or they might have anxiety or post traumatic stress disorder, which is another big component of Yeah, society is there a well.
0: scale of yeah. like a scale, so obviously, a lot of people might have like concerns, but is yep. there, yeah, where's the scale of like the yep. concerns can't be fixed, yeah. or like they're a little concerning that your expectations are real unrealistic?
1: Yeah, exactly. And and um, you know, there's, there's a few components to that question. It's like, are you as a surgeon able to deliver what they want? Like, are you able to do it, um, for one thing, and then or is what they're asking unrealistic or unrealistic why is it unrealistic it's because they've got other issues or is it because they want a Nicole Kidman nose in their Mediterranean <laughs> do you know what I mean something mm-hmm. like that as well so there's that aspect as well um but in terms of um when you approach the psychology of it I don't approach it straight away in terms of I approach it straight away but I don't tell them you need to see a psychologist or you need to see a psychiatrist you know it's all about building a relationship with that person because if you just say no to them or tell them you know and don't have a report and say hey I've just met you for five minutes you need to go see this psychologist you're going to come out of that being insulted which is fair enough because some Mm. of these people are professional people as well they're not they're not necessarily um people that don't have a functioning normal function society or so called normal function so these are people that are reasonably offended by it um Mm. so you need to talk to them build a rapport and then see them again and maybe suggest hey look i think maybe these are the issues that i think's going on maybe you should see this person because i just want to make sure you're um of sound mind before we do this procedure um, or, or make sure you've got all the necessary information. So that's a hard thing to broach yourself. Um, but you just got to have a protocol that you do in the office to do. Mm. That.
2: And how many? Patients do you think or what sort of percentage of patients coming through have body dysmorphia? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Look, I mean, the studies on body dysmorphia are all really good, but there hasn't been any really good study for the last seven or eight years. Um, but in the general population, body dysmorphia is, is, is supposed to affect up to 10% of people. Wow. Um, hmm. And of those 10%, so if there's 10 people in the room that have body dysmorphia out of 100, of those 10, up to half of them will go to a plastic surgeon. So if you've got body dysmorphia, there's a high chance you'll see a plastic surgeon. And we're talking about plastic surgery, that's the key. Not even injectables, it's plastic surgery.
2: And is that because they think the plastic surgery is going to fix this feature? Exactly.
1: And and they want a permanent change and they want a a dramatic change.
0: So anxiety and depression obviously has a role to play um, in understanding, I guess, why patients are having work done. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you diagnose that
1: yeah look great question i think in a setting of we're talking about body dysmorphia and and anxiety depression and social media and and that's what where all of this conversation started um if you just take a step back and think in in society um up to 70 percent of people will have some depression or anxiety at some point in their life um maybe just for a day or for a week or or sometimes it's a reactive to something um but to have clinical depression or anxiety 20 percent of society have it so which is one in What's that? One in five. So that's quite high. Yeah. Um, that someone will have depression or anxiety um, or something. And depression is obviously you're down about something. Anxiety is you're apprehensive about something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it but it comes to the point where it affects your day to day life. Similar to body dysmorphia, which we discussed. Um, and body dysmorphia, you know, you're fixated on a facial feature or a body feature, and and it affects your day to day life. Likewise, depression and anxiety you you're either um, you've got those you're either depressed or you're anxious about something that affects your day-to-day life um, and body dysmorphia affects up to 10% whereas whereas depression and anxiety affects up to 20 so it's double the amount so
2: do they go kind of hand in hand like if you have body dysmorphia you have depression or yeah so it... this is
1: where you'd think it would but the answer is no oh. so someone with body dysmorphia is not necessarily depressed Mm. You might depress them if you do their operation and not diagnose it, Mm -hmm. Um, but the underlying issue is body dysmorphia, so it's completely different. Um, And as I mentioned before, up to 30 or 40% of people with body dysmorphia will go to a plastic surgeon. Um, Likewise, if I analyze all my patients just purely on what medication they take, because a lot of people are on antidepressants, Mm. 25% of my patients are taking an antidepressant or an anxiolytic or have been previously. So I think depression is a huge thing in society. Um, I think social media kind of can make it worse. We can amplify it, but it can also help because what we're doing now is social, but we're kind of lifting a lid on it. Um, and that's why it's important for people to, to talk about it and and to accept it because there's nothing wrong with having it. You just got to uh, identify it and then you can deal with it. And sometimes I'm the first port of call as a plastic surgeon when they're talking about it. And that's why it's important for me to know enough about it to then help them make the next step for their own um, their own you know, for their own state of mind, for their own benefit. And if that means having plastic surgery, it does. If it means it doesn't have plastic surgery, then that's fine as well.
0: Yeah, because I'd assume some people think, oh, if I fix this, then I'll feel happier. But I guess a lot of the time it probably is something that they have to fix within to feel better about themselves rather than an external
1: change. Yeah, no, totally agree. And it's just like having short-term gain or long-term gain. Everyone knows that it's more fruitful to have a long-term gain um, but sometimes a short term is more painful. Low hanging
0: fruit. Yeah, it's true. Whereas if you have
1: a short term gain, long term it's not going to heal you. And, and it's important as a doctor to realize that. Um, and sometimes, you know, it might mean they're still having plastic surgery to help them feel better about themselves, it will. But if you're using plastic surgery to fix everything, then it's not going to fix everything.
2: Mm. Do you have um, psychologists that you specifically send your patients to? Like, yeah. um, Ones that work with you.
1: I have about three or four different ones that I use, and I think it's important because at the end of the day, it's about rapport building. Like, like I said to you before, I've come from a working class background, so I can relate to a lot of people from, um, you know, people who are like, you know, multimillionaires and billionaires to people that have got no money and. are working class because I've come from that background whereas Mm. a lot of my colleagues in medicine have come from a family lineage of doctors and they don't really have that same doctor-patient relationship Um, so it's so similar with psychology it's important to make sure that you've got a few different psychologists because everyone's got their different style with how they work and you might they might be the best psychologist in the world but they're not personable and you're not going to open up to them if you're not
0: not personable
1: to you so you've got to make sure you have a few that you can go to Um, And you've also got to have, like I've heard patients have seen me. I've had, um, you know, some quite prominent people see me that have been referred to psychologists and they just didn't like it. Because they will very combative and say, "Oh, you've got a psychological issue. Why do you want to do this for?" It's like they start the conversation that way, and then they. It's came so to important me,
2: to have the yeah, right relationship, exactly.
1: And then, and then they came to me telling me the story, and then you know, it's important for them to make the decision on because they might have an idea of what psychologists they want to see as well. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think if you've got a stringent, yep, this is the person I go to. I think that's the wrong thing to do. You've yeah. got to have like a few. So if there's a few that I work with. Huh. Yeah.
0: Are you able to share, like, an example or an instance where you've, I guess, witnessed it or, like, handled a case of, um, I guess, body dysmorphia or something of the likes?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, one of the examples, like I just mentioned previously, was a patient that wanted um, facial surgery. She was a youngish patient for a facelift, like, in her mid-40s um, and wanted it to look like, you know, basically a Vogue magazine model, which was obviously airbrushed and, and not real. Mm. Um, and this was a person of pretty sound mind. Like, she, like I said, she was a lawyer. Um, so pretty well educated and understands the nuances with, with surgery and, mm. but still had that in her mind that that's how she was going to look. Um, so I need to, so that was one example. Another example um, of a patient who's trying to look like someone else Um, And and I guess this is why you're talking about it and I talked about it during Cosmeticon is, um, you know, social media has been huge in the last five years Mm. um, and everyone kind of wants to have that Instagram selfie. And, and, I mean, I get um, messages on Instagram now. I've got my Instagram people here now. (laughs) And and some of them ask me, look, can I look like this person on Instagram? Um, So, you know, there's that aspect as well to just identify that's not real. See, I
0: would think that uh, I guess a lot of people... Am I correct in thinking that most people would come to you with a photo of sort of what they want to look like?
1: Um, good question. Not always. Like some people do, or they they'll share a Pinterest pin board with me of how they want their nose to look or how they don't mm. want it to look. Um, probably nose is the most common one where they'll show me photos with facelift surgery. Yeah. Um, it tends to be more anti aging, so people don't want to look like someone else generally. Except for that person that I mentioned, yeah. and that's why it was a red flag because it was yeah. really different. Because most patients that want a facelift, they want to look fresher. They don't want to look younger. Actually, like mm-hmm. you do look younger, but they you don't. They don't want to look younger. Yeah. They just want to look fresh and not tired. Whereas um, with the, with the nose operation, it tends to be a younger age group, and then they've got more of an idea of what they want their nose to look like.
0: Yeah, and just on that, what impacts do? You th- how do you think social media has had on like the increase of people? sort of suffering from this?
1: Look, I think that's a hard question to really answer and quantify. And look, at in life there's always going to be those in general that try and undermine what's going on in general. Like I don't think social media has caused body dysmorphia no. or has caused – um, depression or anxiety it may contribute to it definitely because even myself when i look at instagram or facebook you like see what someone else is doing like oh i wish yeah. i was there right now yeah and you kind of get depressed a little bit i mean everyone's at home now but you know what i mean it's like it's, it's kind of like a normal reaction to FOMO. That. so i think exactly fear of missing out and and it kind of i think it's amplified things social media has definitely amplified things but it's important to note that body dysmorphia has been written out written about way before Facebook and Instagram and, and Snapchat and TikTok, way mm, before that, yeah. Um, and, and, and depression and anxiety as well. But I think, if anything, um, it can amplify depression or anxiety more, mm-hmm. uh, whereas body dysmorphia is a really select group of patients that yeah. I don't think has been caused by social media.
2: Yeah, I can definitely see it contributing to like depression, anxiety, and body dysmorphia, like even personally with social media scrolling through the feed and looking at other people and what their body looks like or even not realising that these photos are heavily edited and it's setting really
0: unrealistic expectations. Yeah, well, I was surprised how common editing photos is. Yeah, I was showing the other day looking at, like, wobbly windows because they've like slimmed their legs for an Instagram photo. So I was sort of shocked at how common it is. I was shocked at the amount of people we know that have apps that do that as well. (laughs) And with that um, sort of patient that you spoke about, did you end up operating with her or did you work through it, um, the psychological side and then operate or did you just turn her away
1: no no i didn't turn her away and, and that's the thing i think i've seen other patients come to me from other colleagues um who've turned them away and i think it's important not to do that because sometimes these patients that have either got psychological um, disorders like depression or anxiety or body dysmorphia they just need help and that's their sign of showing that they need some help um and um you can't you can't do that because sometimes you're the first port of call. so what I usually do with them is, like I said, establish a rapport. And I, with with that patient in particular, what I did is, I recommended them see a psychologist. I just said to them that, look, I've seen you now for three times, um, and I actually mentioned to them because you wanted to see that, if you wanted to look like that diagram. I said to them, look, I think it's probably great if you see a, a colleague of mine, um, or if you have someone that you know, um, and just talk to them about your upcoming surgery and what it's prob- possibly going to do to you, and then then you can come see me again we can do the surgery. Um, so that's how that happened. So she went and saw a psychologist. I spoke to the psychologist and um, she actually had undiagnosed trauma from before. I think I mentioned it in Cosmeticon, post-traumatic stress disorder.
0: Yeah, And Very cool.
1: And, um, you know, she was assaulted in a relationship and that's why she wanted a facelift to
0: mm. look
1: better or, or to do something, you know what I mean? So, And I wouldn't have uncovered any of that if I just didn't actually have a relationship with her um, and actually cared for what she was going through. Um, so I think it's important to do that because you can uncover a lot of things. And and I'm, and thankfully she's seen a psychologist seven of the ten times at least I know and hopefully things are okay. And look, and if she wants to still have a facelift, then that's great. We'll do it. Um, yeah. but, but look, so far I think she doesn't want to do it, which is fair enough.
2: Yeah, do you think uh, a lot of people um, who are suffering from, you know, depression or anxiety, they f- use plastic surgery as a way of fixing that and fixing what's inside them by changing externally on the outside? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Look, um, I think I had a, f- um, a photo of the sculpture, Rodin, like in his like pensive look like thinking. And, and I think you've got to think what's the psychology of, of, of a human? Like why is it we do things? And, and it's exactly that. It's like if you really deep um, dive into why, some, why someone wants something done, it's like even why do you want a haircut or why do you want to put makeup on or why do you want to have breast augmentation or why do you want to have a rhinoplasty or why do you want to have a facelift? The actual reason it's not necessarily obviously get rid of the wrinkles or get – a larger breast implants it's it's to like look fresher at work maybe it's to it's to not look like the oldest person in the office it's, it's to not look tired like a well, confidence booster yeah, as well it is it's a confidence thing and that's why you're doing it you're doing it for that or you might be doing it um for a relationship thing mm-hmm. or, or you've always wanted to do it for your whole life and now you've got the mo- money to do it mm-hmm. and you're in a in a in a stable mindset where yep you're ready to do it so that's the real reason why people want something done and you've got to talk to that and understand that because if the reason is you want a breast augmentation because your boyfriend says bad things about your chest size mm-hmm. and you're doing it for that reason or they broke up with you for that reason went out with someone else who had breasts, which I have had in one circumstance, oh. then that's the wrong reason. And for me as a plastic surgeon to do that is very unethical. And I have turned someone away who wanted breast augmentation a week after relationship breakup for that mm. reason. Um, and I said to them, look, just no problem. We talk about it. Come see me in three months. If you still want to do it, we'll do it. Um, and yeah. I just never did it because I didn't want to do it. So it wasn't the right. She was doing it for the wrong reason at that time.
0: Yeah. Is there any regulation around um, having to do these sort of mental assessments prior to operating on um, someone? No,
1: unfortunately, not really. Like th- there's like a, only since two years ago, there's a seven day waiting or cooling off period before you do surgery. And from a logistical point of view, if you were to see me today outside of pa- the pandemic, I could operate on you f- theoretically tomorrow but i never would anyway because you've got a wait list of about a month at least yeah. um or a lead time of about a month but what 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 you should do is is you're absolutely right it's got to be regulated but it's hard to regulate because it's um at the end of the day you're a, if you're a, you're a doctor as a plastic surgeon or a cosmetic surgeon or an ent surgeon doing facial work or a practitioner um doing injectables for example so um it, it's got to come down to the onus of the person doing it as well yeah um, and I think, from a surgical point of view, you have got to have your own ethics and your own guidelines to to do it, because I think it's going to be hard for people to police it. Um, yeah. But the way it happens, is you have people that have un- who are not happy. Do you know what I mean? Like you'll have people that are not happy with their results. Um, yeah. And, and not to you know, if you look at most of my online reviews, we're not allowed to post reviews on our own website. Like most of them are very positive. I mean, they're all five out of five because I take the time to understand what patients want, and if they're not happy, then we we reoperate until they're happy.
2: Yeah, what do you um, do if a patient comes back and they say, "Yeah, I don't see a result? Yeah. So, for instance, if you haven't yeah. identified that maybe they do yeah. have a bit of body dysmorphia, yeah. are there ways to show yeah. them?
1: Well, and, and this is what it is. Yeah. And this is the important thing of showing right. before and afters um, to patients. And we always take photos. And, and, and it all comes down to the initial consultation. Like you've got to understand why they want it and work out what you can do is the same thing as what they want. Because you might be able to do something and you think it's great, but they don't actually see that. And that's a fail.
0: And do you have like a 3D, we've spoken to some people that do have the 3D imaging
2: <laughs> yeah, Wait, yeah. we've is spoken that? to, Mondial oh. actually sell a yeah. 3D oh, imaging that that? A system. We no, do the con- We do the quantificare. Okay. And <laughs> all the time, I was like, do you know about this? And I'm like, you know about it, I sell them.
0: <laughs> no, I'm asking yeah. whether he uses one because that. No, I don't use it. I know. It. Like,
1: not, not because I'm against it, but I think it gives an unrealistic expectation. Mm-hmm. Like you actually look at the images that it generates, they they block out everything behind you, which is fine, so they can just focus on the facial feature or the body or the breast, but it looks very artificial and I don't think you can recreate that with surgery. So the best thing I can do when someone comes to me for a rhinoplasty is I try and show them before and afters of a nose that's similar to theirs that I've Mm. transformed. Um, and then other noses, maybe from a tip point of view or a dorsum, to make sure we're on the same page. Okay. And if I'm not happy we're on the same page, I'll be honest with them. I'll tell them, look, I'm not sure about your operation yet. I'm going to think about it. Come see me in two weeks time. You have a big, bit more of a think about it and we can go from there. And, most of the, and every time I've done that, that's the patient I end up not operating on mm-hmm. or they end up not wanting to do the operation anymore. Um, and I think that's the key. It's, you've got to make sure you're operating on someone that you are going to cause a positive difference. Um, and, and, and to answer your question before, if 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 they're not happy for whatever reason, then then yeah, I'll rectify it. Just like you know, if you buy something from a shop and it doesn't work, you just return it and make sure it works again. Right? So, <laughs> can I return nose? It's kind of a, yeah. it's a similar thing. It's not to return your own, but I, and that's some, and that's sometimes it's it's important to underdo it a little bit rather than overdo it because you can always take make the nose a little bit smaller. It's harder to make it a bit bigger. Yeah, of yeah. course.
2: So can plastic surgery ever fix body dysmorphia?
1: Um, yeah, great question as well. The answer to that question is yes. Okay. Because what, what, what can happen is someone can obsess about a body feature. Um, and the reason why I say this is I've had letters from psychiatrists to say, Jack, you need to do this patient's tummy tuck or you need to do this facelift because it's really bothering them and having an effect on their life. Um, and I think it's going to be good for their own psychology if you were to do that. Okay. Um, and to me that's more comfortable doing it in that setting because I've seen a psychologist. And I'm not saying that's what everyone has, but and, and that's part of the thing of me referring to a psychologist or a psychiatrist because they get mm. an assessment, and then if the assessment is, yep, I think that's a good idea to do the surgery, then we're all on the same page. We've all been through the rigorous process of making sure that they're okay with what's going to happen to make, make, make a positive transformation to their, to the, to their psychology as well.
0: And we did have just a question off that um, from our listeners. Is anorexia a type of body dysmorphia?
1: Yeah, great question. Look, anorexia um, nervosa, the technical name for it, and bulimia is like slashed together. Um, That's a separate diagnosis. So Mm -hmm. if you look at all of psychology, psychological um, diagnoses, there's anxiety. And depression, and they kind of fit under depression. And under there, you've got post-traumatic stress disorder, panic disorder, social phobia, and things like that. Um, Then you have anorexia um, villosa, which is separate. It's separate. And body dysmorphia, which is separate. So three different categories. And then, of course, you've got your more severe mental illnesses like schizophrenia. So they're all separate. They're all different. Now, it's not to say you can't have a little bit of depression and and have anorexia. That can definitely happen. Um, But it is a separate diagnosis.
2: And is it? Um, particularly common in a demographic, like more in female or male or certain age groups?
1: Um, yeah, that's a great question um, in terms of body dysmorphia.
2: Yeah, sorry, body dysmorphia. Yeah.
1: Um, in, in body dysmorphia, um, the 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 age of the investigations that are mainly done, mainly done under the age of 45, so it's in a younger age group, um, that's what all the studies have been done. But other than the studies being like biased to that age group, um, it, it it affects equally any age group. In terms of male, female, it's probably it's female slightly more than male. Definitely.
0: Yeah. And do you have any advice to offer or any where that someone who's feeling maybe, I don't know body image, maybe if it's not a, as extreme as body dysmorphia yeah. um, of what they should do or somewhere they should go?
1: Yeah, look, good good question. Like if, if if it's something um that you want to reach out to someone and discuss um just in general about body dysmorphia or, or anxiety depression, it's you can reach out to your GP. Um like I think the Australian government in the, in the present um, um crisis is looking after your mental health. dot um, is mm-hmm. has got good resources on mental health. Um in terms of what I do as a clinician, if someone's obviously focusing on a body part, I have a screening questionnaire that I run with them, Mm -hmm. and I was part of a task force, ethics task force with the Society of Plastic Surgeons two years ago to develop that instrument to try and screen people
0: with red flags. Is that used widely? No, not
1: at all. So it was just like a pilot um, study to see what it would be. I'm not sure where they're up to with it. Um, I kind of use it because I've always kind of asked those questions, but Mm -hmm. it just identifies things like how long have you focused on that body part for how many times would you look in the mirror has it affected your intimacy with your partner has it affected your work life do you think
2: people life? would ever lie in that situation just because they know that that would stop them from having the yeah, surgery great
1: question look the answer is yes but generally if, if you build that rapport they will open up to you because yeah. I, I don't sit there and say look i'm not doing your operation <laughs> i just say to them look we'll do it once we go through this process mm. um that's what I say and and it is a process even if someone doesn't have body dysmorphia someone doesn't have any other issues it's still a process you need to see the patient do a follow up and go through everything so there still is a process with that with that element if you've uncovered something it's just another you just need to go through a few more hurdles to make sure everybody's on the same page
2: yeah great and What's your opinion on when you see individuals that have had so many, like a hundred cosmetic procedures yep. and work yep. done? Yep. How does how, how does their surgeon or doctor kind of continue to yeah, work yeah. on them? Look,
1: that's another great question, and and some of the examples of that, I'm not sure if you guys seen on like documentaries.
2: Yeah, like the human Ken doll. Yeah, the human Ken doll, exactly. Yeah. Like that,
1: one of the human Ken dolls, because I think there's more than one. There's a guy in Europe and there's a guy in America. He actually works for one of the um, custom-made implant companies. Um, wow. And he got a lot of those implants custom-made for himself. And he seems happy. I mean, from what you see on TV, it makes him happy what he's doing. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you've got to take that with a grain of salt because you don't really know what's going on in his life um, from what you see on TV Um, He seems happy, and if that's the case, then that's fine. As a surgeon, if you're happy to do that, you do that. But you also have your own philosophy as a plastic surgeon as well. Whether you're willing to operate a lot like that, like for me, um, because I would do mainly above shoulder surgery, I mainly do facial operations. A lot of my patients are a lot older. Um, The younger patients of mine are all rhinoplasty patients, and we Mm. tend to we talk about things. And some people want to look done and want to look like they've had a significant difference, and that's fine. That's fine as well. But most of my patients just want to look like something's changed but that can no one no can, one can notice. tell you know what i mean it's that oh look i want to pay, oh, If i'm paying all this money i want to look different but i don't want to look that different <laughs> so it's like it's kind of like
0: you don't want that, anyone i want people
2: to notice to... but i don't want anyone to know yeah,
1: exactly right
2: exactly. uh yeah great did i even
1: answer that question i'm not even sure i answered that question
2: just rolling off that question as well um would be Well, a lot of the interviews or documentaries I've watched about body dysmorphia is a lot of people are in denial about it. Like I did see somebody who had a lot of implants. Yeah. Yeah. So do you... Well, that's part of the disease. Yeah. yeah, Do you find that a lot of the people that are diagnosed with it They deny it or they...
1: Well, they don't see what you're seeing. They don't see that what they're they're talking about is kind of like an obsession, so to speak, that they're fixated about it and it's affecting their life because that's the key with most mental disorders. Like most people have a little bit of anxiety or depression every day for whatever reason, but have a clinical depression is a lot less or clinical body dysmorphia is, you know, a lot less, but that's where it's actually interfering with your day-to-day life.
2: Mm,
1: Yeah. Whereas, for example, if I had, you know, I wouldn't come to this because I didn't want you to see me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, where it's so much that
2: it takes a
0: toll Or let's do this
1: from home where you can't see me kind of thing. Yeah. That's where it takes it. And it just, yeah, changes what you do on a day-to-day basis.
0: Yeah. Great. Well, thank you for joining us, Dr. Zamaris. Uh, It was great to get you in the studio given this quiet period. Yeah. And we're really grateful for you sharing everything about body dysmorphia and depression and anxiety. Yeah, it's an important part of the topic that I think everyone needs to hear. Yeah. So where can our listeners find okay. you on social media?
1: Yeah, so they can find me on Instagram at Artiste Plastic Surgery or Dr. Jay-Z.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> and Facebook. The real Jay-Z. That's right. And Facebook as well. Um, and I've got a TikTok as well, Dr. No. Jay-Z.
0: Yeah, maybe well, you can sculptor, give us some TikTok but too. But that's kind of
1: like something I fool around with my family at home. I do a few <laughs> clinical videos, but yeah.
0: We'll have to get a yeah. TikTok in the studio. Yeah, yeah. well, we've yeah. only just started, so maybe you can give us a few tips. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, Dr. Zamaris. And we'll oh, see
2: pleasure. you all next week on Cosmetics. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Please be advised that
0: we are not medical practitioners and that some guests may have different perspectives from ourselves and what our brand stands for. You should always consult your medical practitioner with regards to cosmetic products and procedures and whether they are suitable for you individually and they will not be held as viable for any misinformation.